Hey, this is Heath Padgett. Welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 197. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs where we dive into how people have been able to create businesses that supports a life of adventure, whatever that means to you. Some episodes are catered more towards the adventure side and the travel side, but most of the time we talk about business and how people have been able to grow something that supports the life that they want to live. Today's episode format is going to be different because I'm going to do something I have only done once or twice ever, which is a Q&A episode. There was a thread recently in our RV Entrepreneur Facebook group where someone was asking questions specifically for how to best approach and work with brands. And this is an area that we actually have a decent amount of work. We funded our first year of travel through a sponsorship before we had any kind of online following. We've also looped in a lot of brands who sponsor our conference. We've done client projects with a lot of brands in the RV space. And so this is a world that I feel I have enough of experience over the past six years that I could layer in and share some helpful pieces of advice. Person who originally made the post in our Facebook group, Brittany, asked if she could ask some follow-up questions about sponsorships after I left some marathon comment replies in Facebook. And because my podcast now accepts voicemails, which I'll share how to do after this episode if you're interested in leaving one, I asked her if she'd be willing to leave her question as a voicemail and I could turn this topic into kind of a mini podcast Q&A episode. So that's what I'm doing today. All right, let's get into the first question from Brittany. Hey, Heath. This is Brittany, and I'm currently in Florida. I have been in conversation with a large international company about a potential partnership, and um, they are really excited about the energy that I bring um, and asked me to put together a proposal. And so I did so, and unfortunately, the proposal that I submitted wasn't really hitting the nail on what they were looking for, um, but they were super excited about me and what I brought to the table. And said they want to keep in touch for sure because there might be opportunities down the road. Uh, So my question is, how do you suggest that I maintain that relationship um, over time so that when the um, stars align, if you will, they think of me um, rather than going with someone else? Love the podcast and really appreciate all the awesome support you all provide. Um, Thanks so much. First off, Brittany, thanks for being my first voicemail. Uh, And I do have a couple thoughts on this one. One of our first projects that we pitched to Winnebago, they actually said no, but we still ended up continuing a good long-term relationship with them. And we're sitting in this 2020 RV as a result of this relationship that actually started off with a no. So if I were you and without knowing all the specific details for what the deal entails, here's just a few high-level things that I would consider doing. One, keep in touch via email with your point of contact without asking for anything. Just literally dropping a note in every few months to let them know Uh, a brief fun fact or something you're excited about and ask how they're doing and be genuine, you know, just be personal, build the relationship. If it makes sense, use their product and share it online. I'm not sure what service the company is because you didn't say that, but if you're pitching a company on something you're already using, then just keep using it and be vocal about it. A lot of these companies source ambassadors or influencers based on people who are already using their product. So just literally by buying something, Being loud or posting unique photos or videos on Instagram or Facebook of that product is a really good way to kind of keep that relationship alive. Similar to 
staying in direct contact through email, just commenting and lifting up their social presence, I think is a good idea. Assuming you're going to be in some kind of social ambassador role with the company, their social channels will be monitored by somebody either on their marketing team or through an agency who communicates directly with their marketing team. So just by being a top fan, you're more likely to be front of mind because those people are going to be talking back and forth. And it's just another way that you can kind of stay in their front of mind. Outside of the communication side, I would say honing photography, writing, and video skills because a lot of companies are willing to bring in ambassadors for products who don't have large following. So even if you're not a quote-unquote influencer but are masters at creating amazing content, this could be a real advantage for you, I would say. So if you can show that you're a skilled content creator, this will boost the odds of them potentially saying yes on the next project. So maybe in one of these emails, you reach out and say, you know, just send an epic photo of you with a similar product or something else like that. You know, just assuming that you're creating, you're going to be creating some type of content for them, they can get really excited and think about, you know, how that product or service could look in a blog or video or a photo, if that makes sense. And this next one and the last one is going to sound a little bit crazy uh, just in our day and age, but it's also a really good reason why I think you should do it go visit them in person. If the working relationship could at some point rationalize the return on investment of a plane ticket and travel cost, then just let them know you'd love to come by and uh, visit with their team in person. If there was one thing that I felt you could do in 2020 that would have a disproportionate impact to get someone to work with you, nothing beats going in person, especially when all of our communication is being done online. This was a real turning point for us when we were working with Winnebago. We had hosted our first RV Entrepreneur Summit. We invited some of the company reps to come down and participate in person four years ago. And when they got to see our community in person, whenever they saw our attendees getting value and you know all these things that happen online, a lot of times they can just feel like numbers. You know, When you're looking at somebody's Instagram or their YouTube or podcast numbers, like it just feels like numbers, especially if you're not super familiar with the context, but there's still something really, really impactful about being in person and also just showing that you're willing to go build that relationship in person. So a lot of these things, even if they seem small, like you're just going to be doing a smaller, you know, couple thousand dollar here, one-off sponsorship may not rationalize that plane ticket, but if it could lead to a lot more or more relationships with their vendors or their partners, or maybe a little bit of social proof because it's a much bigger brand and it can help you get other brands, like could definitely be worth that in-person visit. So hopefully some of these are helpful, Brittany, and I hope that this company comes back to you in a month or six months or a year and basically just writes you a really big check and you guys have an amazing long-term working relationship where there's tons of mutual value. So hopefully that was helpful. I have one more question that I'm going to answer from Adam. Hey Heath, my name's Adam from Where's the Moose? Our handles are Bucket List Moose. And uh, we don't have that many followers, but I know before you've said that that uh, isn't necessary, uh, specifically in order to get a partnership or a sponsorship. And we're also Canadian, so we travel half the time in Canada, half the time in the States. And we have three little boys, so, uh, you know, a triple bunk is is perfect for us if we could find a sponsorship who wants to create international exposure uh, and also creates a triple bunk trailer that would be you know great for what we're looking for and I've kind of explained this kind of information when we've talked about uh, sponsorship requests and we don't get the meeting so I'm wondering am I giving too much information am I not giving enough information uh, would love your input on that uh, when I've contacted suppliers via email or LinkedIn thanks 
Adam, thanks so much for leaving a voicemail, man. I love your Instagram handle and you have an adorable family. I was checking out your Instagram. So it sounds like you're asking manufacturers, RV manufacturers for a unit and trying to get a company to sponsor your travels by giving you guys a triple bunk, or at least that's the meetings, your kind of pitch that I believe was what you were getting at. I wasn't sure. I do have a couple thoughts about like reaching out to companies and making this pitch because we've done it before and we have gotten a couple uh, RV units for us in various capacities. And we also work with a lot of these companies that are making the decisions on how to actually distribute and give an RV and who to choose. So first off, from our relationship with Winnebago, I know that they get pitched on almost a daily basis. There was a period of time where Alyssa and I had the keys to their social media because we were helping them with some projects. So we are actually the people that were putting out their social posts on Facebook and Instagram, which is a lot of power for us because we, we were not even an agency or anything like that. But I, I got messages on their social channels almost every day of people basically asking for an RV. And not every company has the same policy that they do, but they actually won't even take a look at this inquiry, regardless of your following, unless you're mega famous, uh, unless you're already in their product. And they do this for several reasons, but one of the biggest ones is it just makes for a much more authentic kickoff to the relationship. Basically, the people who are creating content for uh, the Winnebago brand consists of people who already decided to get in that product, and then the relationship started with the brand. So you're basically vested at that point. Like you bought it because you wanted to, and you're already in it, and therefore it it removes that risk of building a relationship with somebody who's going to be a brand ambassador who is just getting in it for the free product, which is a lot of people out there. And so that sucks that that happens, but a lot of companies may actually not want to even start the relationship until you've decided to get into that product. So it's a little bit of a risk on your part, but if you choose a product that you really want to get into and you love it and you're loud about it, then there's a chance that maybe these companies will want to work with you. But even if they don't, you're still in a product that you really enjoy. In 2015, after we had bought our early starter RV on Craigslist for like 11,000 bucks, we wanted to get a new one that didn't have leaks or anything like that. And we felt like we had a good story because we had gotten national attention for this documentary and things like that. And so I actually pitched a couple of manufacturers during that time before we decided to just buy a Winnebago, our Brave. And it just, none of those conversations worked out and they were all really challenging. I felt like I was pushing a boulder up the hill instead of having some type of natural organic conversation. And just the whole notion of like, what value can I bring to the table in hopes of getting an RV, which is a massive purchase. So on the off chance that you were able to, you know, get somebody to give you guys a, a rig at this point, because maybe the following's not there and you're still building up credibility and things like that, the amount that you'd have to deliver in order for the relationship to be a net even could be a lot uh, versus if, you know, if you have 500,000 followers on Instagram or something like that, then, you know, a few posts, then they get the value from that. So it may not even be worth your time at this point to even go after that, if that makes sense. But on the flip side, I would also say that I know this is a really good time to be making these kinds of asks because more and more companies, specifically RV ones, and I think that's what you're kind of getting at, are open to finding content creators or ambassadors being their products and are willing to negotiate leases or deals. So if you do decide to keep pitching, I'm not just going to try to negate you away from doing that. So here's what I would be thinking about on how you can get noticed or boost responses. One, I already kind of mentioned this earlier answering Brittany's question, but honing photography and videography are big ones. Blogs are fine. But specifically in the travel space, I think it's hard to get noticed and stick out from the noise right now because you can't really show your personality. A lot of companies want to see, you know, who are you and does that mesh with their brand? And unless you're just a, an amazing, amazing writer, um, 
with typically nice photo assets to complement, that is a lot more challenging. So I think video and photography are much better than just writing blog posts. So if you can show off an amazing portfolio of your images, I think this will be a big win. And if you're not a decent photographer, but you wanna stay in the space for a while and build more relationships, I would say find a photography workshop and spend 500 bucks. Our friend Joe Hendricks in Colorado, I know he's done photography workshops and then uh, like our friends John and Nadia went to that workshop. He did not have any background in photography and now he's worked with quite a few brands, really big brands, uh, just from going and investing in a weekend of learning how to shoot better photos, how to you know adjust composition and frame up shots and things like that. And so if this is a space you wanna be in and you wanna work with companies, go find somebody who can help you up your photography game uh, because that's gonna be a big one in the space of being able to take decent photos. When we wrote our first blog post for Winnebago, I shot a bunch of iPhone photos and I sent it over to the editor for their blog and he told me my photos were crap and I needed to up my game so I went and bought a point shoot camera. It was a little bit harsh in the moment but looking back, he's totally right. They were really bad and I was representing this you know, publicly traded company with this long lasting brand and they need to be really good. And so that was something that I would definitely encourage you to do. Not that your photos are bad. I didn't look at all of them, but just something to be front of mind. And secondly, outside of the content assets, I would just say finding your own unique angle. There are a lot of families out on the road right now traveling with their kids, which is amazing. And I love it, but it's not an incredibly different pitch than most people are offering if they're reaching out to the company. So what's different about you guys? How are you actually doing something that's really, really unique that they can attach their brand to? And th that is a really good story. One example I recently interviewed, it's gonna she's gonna be coming out on a future episode, is our friend Courtney from The Flipping Nomad on Instagram. She built her business by flipping and finding and flipping old fifth wheels and making them beautiful on the interior. And after a few years, Keystone signed her on to work exclusively with them. And they have come out with this really cool RV that's going to be on display at our RV Entrepreneur Summit. And it just looks really, really cool. And she was able to get that by kind of having this unique story. She took over her dad's businesses and, you know, she didn't get into RVing like everybody else. She actually did it because she needed the money and, you know, she needed to live simply and all this kind of stuff. And her story was really good and it was different. And it wasn't some intentional thing where she was trying to be an influencer, but she just did something and made lemonade out of lemon and lived this really good story and then was brave enough to share it with people. And and for us, we we went out and worked a job in all 50 states and we did that because we were wanted to travel the country on our honeymoon and it was a way to fund it and we're kind of making it up as we go. And I had no idea that we would end up working in the RV space. So that wasn't an intentional thing from the beginning. I couldn't even have imagined that. But it was a different story and there were things that we were interested in. All that to say, I think if you want to stand out from the crowd. It's gonna take really amazing assets like video or photo in order to engage these brands. But the other thing that you can do that's different is find an amazing story that you guys can live. And even if those companies never pay attention to you, if it's something that you guys are genuinely interested in doing, regardless of what happens, then it's going to be a win-win no matter what. Because at the baseline, you guys live this amazing story that's different and it's your own unique on this travel lifestyle. And maybe it also attracts a brand, which would be a nice added cherry on top. But at the very baseline, you guys are doing something different. And I know it sounds crazy to do something different because you're already doing something different by living in an RV with your family. But as far as like this vertical is concerned at this point in time, a lot of people are doing that. And again, it's amazing. We're doing it with our, our daughter, but that would be my advice is find your own unique spin on this lifestyle.
Okay, so those were a little bit long-winded answers, but this was really, really fun. I enjoyed doing this Q&A episode. So if you have any questions or you just want to say hello and leave a voicemail and be included on a future episode of The RV Entrepreneur, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash RVE. I'll say that one more time. Anchor.fm forward slash RVE. And you can leave a voicemail. Thank you guys so much for listening. And one other thing that I wanted to mention as I recap this episode is that if you happen to be traveling in the southeast part of the country in March, which is coming up in a little over a month from now, which is crazy, uh, we still have a couple more tickets available for our fourth RV Entrepreneur Summit. We'll have an amazing four days of speakers, workshops, and meetups all centered around people growing a business on the road. It's a really amazing community. So if you've been listening to this podcast and have been enjoying it and you're interested in kind of taking that leap, you should absolutely come and check out our summit. You can learn more at therventrepreneur.com. We're hosting this year in Lake Gunnersville State Park, which is an amazingly beautiful state park in northern Alabama, surrounded by hills. So would love to see you there. Or if you're already coming, pumped to meet you. I just hit Ellie's toy as I was trying to end this episode. So all of the toys talk now in our RV, and that's a thing that I'm trying to navigate. (laughs) Anyway, I'll see you guys next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.